Fantastic Beats, three people, three tracks. We swap them, we talk about them. I'm Jack Tudor. I'm Lizzie Maris. And our guest this time is author of Appetite for Definition, an A to Z guide to rock genres. It's Ian King, the fabulous Ian King. Hello, Ian. Hello. Hi, Jack. Hi. Thank you so Hello, much Lizzie. for joining us. Hi. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so we've got three tracks as per. Lizzie, you've brought one of them. So tell us all about it. Okay, I will kick us off with um, a track by The Cars from the 1978 album The Cars. Um, the track is called Just What I Needed. So this is probably a bit of an unusual pick for me because it, it is pretty, I'm going to say it's pretty straight male orientated rock. It's about loving someone else. I think it does allude to it being a girl quite a lot. Uh-huh. Um and it's just a really good rock song. It makes me feel really kind of drunk and simple and like <laughs> love is a good thing and loving somebody is really exciting and that's all there is in the world. Um, so I think this song, normally I dissect it a little bit more musically, but actually this song is is a really, for me, like just a feeling of feeling like, Ah, all is good in the world and love is a funny thing. Um, so I'll tell you a little bit more about it because that's that's not enough. Um, <laughs> this song is actually sung by the bassist, not the lead vocalist, which I think is interesting because I think the vocals are a really nice standout feature of it because they're a little bit slack, a little bit chilled. I feel like the guy singing it is quite good looking. That's, that's just a Why? sort of... I don't know. It's just kind of a rock song assumption. Sure. Um, Let's not do this on the air. Fine. (laughs) Um, It's got super simple lyrics. It is about love. It's about wanting somebody and liking somebody. It's very kind of teenage and young. Um, But what I really enjoy most is the riffs in this. So there's kind of, I feel like there's two. Um, There's the kind of synth riff, which is quite prominent throughout it. And very kind of like, I suppose because this is coming into the 80s now. So yeah, Yeah. this is just, just the 80s really lovely juicy synth riff and um, but there's also the guitars as well that go dun, dun, i think you're just and actually the guitars for me that's kind of the real vocalist in the track right because that's the bit that you're punching along to um so i think that's kind of doing quite a lot of the work there's a really fun solo in it it's very anthemic you're really waiting for the chorus like the verses like any good rock song the verses you're like mm-hmm, mm-hmm, whatever yeah 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 <laughs> and the choruses are just brilliant that's it i th- also you're listening to it on headphones um so i think what's really nice is the uh the panning in this song in the beginning when i when you listen to it on headphones you do really realize that the guitars are um sort of like layered so that they're slightly out with each other but that guitar really chugs at the beginning and i only noticed that on the headphones yeah um so yeah, just a really lovely song that makes me feel very drunk. And I feel like that's all the analysis <laughs> it needs because that's that's all there is to it. Um, Jack, what, what did you think of this one? Uh, so this was their debut single, wasn't it, from their like first album? Yeah, I think so. Which is quite surprising, I thought. So I'm not super familiar with the cars, but this sounds incredibly confident as like a debut single yeah. to come out with. Everyone's on like really swaggering form like that synth line is so we are not ian we we prevent ourselves from talking about the tracks in advance of this podcast but we've both been singing the synth line around the house anyway because that's permitted but it is just, oh yeah 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 it's <laughs> irresistible uh, the guitar solo i thought was very tight and very tasteful as well 
Uh, there's a really cool bit in the like third verse where the drummer switches the drum beat so that he's playing like the snare drum on the first beat instead which is a nice little i imagine him doing that in the rehearsal studio and them all going oh, oh do that again you can do that on the track <laughs> but um yeah I, I agree like i think the guitars being laid in the way that they are brings a bit of complexity to it i think particularly when you're on headphones where you realize that there's one guitar holding down the chug and another which is allowed mm-hmm. to be a bit more expressive with the opening and closing of the riff it's almost got a more of a talkative kind of vibe to the way it's it's played um I'll be honest, so I obviously I hear you play this around the house all the time and I wasn't sure who it was, but I thought, bloody hell, it sounds like a really... Sometimes, I don't know how this is going to be taken, but it sounds like an early kind of Weezer demo or something. Yeah. Where it's got like that chugging riff, it's got kind of adolescent lyrical themes, it's got a corny synthesizer. Also as well, what I think is nice is that it, it has got that naivety to it of kind of teen love, but it's played in a very professional way. Like I, I think at least a couple of the members were like nearing their 30s at this point. So way past mm. the point where they're like, what is this love thing? You know, but uh, <laughs> obviously still singing about it, but playing it in a really boss way, which I thought was quite cool. So yeah, I, I really, I, I mean, it's not my kind of song, uh, but for the time that I had to listen to it for this researching this podcast i thought it was thought it was good fun so uh ian what do you reckon <laughs> yeah when i saw that this was your selection i immediately got so jealous and i was like oh the song i chose is like so ponderous i should have <laughs> i should have i should have just picked like heart-shaped box or something i'm totally overthinking this um <laughs> it's it yeah it's a great song that the synth riff it is completely classic. It actually, the synth riff, I, I included it in the book as a bridge between uh, the genres New Wave and Power Pop specifically oh, just because of that. Wow. Yeah, just because of that synth riff, I think it's sort of like is the you know the bridge between, oh, New Wave has, I mean, at least the American understanding is, you know, New Wave has like synthesizers in it and that's sort of what makes it New Wave as opposed to punk or power pop right. um yeah it's it's such a it's such a great song what you're saying about we- didn't rick okasik he worked with weezer right didn't i mean really? he produced like yeah he produced a few of weezer's albums if i'm remembering correctly Man. blimey yeah that explains yeah, so much like, yeah he did the looks like he did the blue album and the green album oh wow <laughs> that's insane good spot jack yeah wow. yes. so <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah very good spotting yeah nice yeah it's i, I don't know I, I think it also as well i think it's when his voice is double tracked he even sounds a bit like rivers mm. i think that's what gave me that impression as well but yeah that keyboard is definitely like early weezer i feel like this is the kind of song that they're still very much wanting to write but not quite reaching uh in weezer's mm. case but uh, yeah it's fancy good job lizzie Thanks. It's, I think it's really interesting that you were like, ah, I went for quite a ponderous song because normally <laughs> I, I also would. But I think I've done quite a few of these now and I, I would not have picked this early on in this podcast because I really don't feel like it does represent what I usually like. So I'm kind of throwing it in there as like, a, <laughs> let's all have a beer. What, as, opposed to, <laughs> as opposed to Dire Straits. Because <laughs> I know. do like that. That yeah, was that great. Was good, that was a good <laughs> uh, All right. Well, thank, thanks, guys. Yeah. Hey, no worries.
Ian, let's go to your track. Okay, yeah. Uh, so, uh, Ganger, and I hope I'm pronouncing that right. You know, I actually had a question for you guys. I mean, are, are Ganger remembered much? Uh, the Scottish band, are, they're from the mid to late 90s. Are they remembered much over there? I mean... <laughs> so, I had no idea, but that doesn't tell you a lot. I wouldn't normally know this kind of stuff anyway. I don't know about you, Jack. Well, I mean, I don't think Lizzie and I are uh, old enough to have really experienced <laughs> Ganger. Uh, like when, you know, we weren't listening to music that intentionally, like around the time that they would have been doing stuff. Uh, yeah. I was born in 1990, Lizzie in 88. But I mean, obviously having done a load of post-rock research, I don't remember them coming up a lot. So they're mm -hmm. clearly not a band that people have uh, said, okay, they were doing something that was really key that we need to remember for posterity for the sake of the kind of mapping out the genre, you know. But, yeah. yeah, which which, yeah, which I think is really interesting because I think they were, uh, you know, I think they definitely are now, I guess, have fallen into like a lost classic. But if that's even if people... Yeah, you know, I, I I really appreciated the opportunity to kind of dig this out. I've been wanting to to find to find a way to express, uh, you know, or kind of get get this band out to more people. They were, um, but yeah, so they were from Glasgow in the mid to late '90s. They formed in 1995, and they're they're actually kind of like a rotating cast of characters. They weren't really. I think they ended up with like nine different people rotated in and out of the band. Um, one of the guy, one of the guys from that band, uh, Biss, uh, Sci-Fi Steven, he played with them early on, and uh, Craig B, who went on to form Areogram, he he joined for the two records that ended up being released in the in the US. Um, there's a bunch of EPs that I really haven't heard very much at all that from their earlier days because those never got a US release, but uh, they're, yeah, but they're two albums, uh, Hammock Style, well, and the second one's an EP, uh, Canopy, the, their last two. Uh, those were put out by Merge uh, in the late 90s here, which uh, even back then was a pretty big label for an indie label. And uh, yeah. they, I, they, I think they came here and they, they toured with Mogwai when they came through here, but I was too young to see them on that tour because in Seattle, the club was 21 and up where they played. So and I was nine, I was about 18 or 19 at the time, so I was just, just a couple of years too young. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so uh, I didn't get to see them. They broke up kind of shortly after that. So I didn't get to see them on tour. But they were they were instrumental and they wrote some long songs, but they weren't really like Mogwai ask. The, you know, they they kind of get associated with Krautrock a bit, I think, because of the, the rhythms and the consistency of the way that they play. And yeah, I guess somewhere between post-rock and Krautrock, if you have to pin it down to a genre, was sort of what they ended up uh, sounding like on uh, Hammock Style and Canopy. But I think Hammock Style especially, and that, that album came out in 98, the song I picked, Capo, South of Caspian, is like in the middle of that one. I, I, I think it's it's a really, really, really solid album. And the, the, the song itself... You know, they're mostly instrumental, so it's, you know, uh, there's not a lyric to latch onto so much. There's one or two lines, there's one or two lines in it, but it's got, and I didn't mean to just go with the name of the podcast or but it's got this beat that is like a through line. <laughs> it's, it's not, it's not a complicated beat. It, it, it's not a complicated beat at all. It's not particularly like, tricky, but it's, it's like right there in the middle and, and everything else kind of weaves around it. You know, like 
the bass bass lines come in and drop out guitar lines come in and drop out like all like thing, things kind of come and go but this rhythm kind of stays the same for i, I want to say about five minutes and then you know that's about the halfway mark and then they change it and then from there it turns into a more kind of post-rock as we know it like the the, the classic like building up to a big noisy finale but i yeah. actually i find the first i find the first half actually more compelling which is yeah. not oh, yeah which is it's like it doesn't it's it's not the part that builds up but that that's the part where things kind of come and go and it's and it's very liquid in this in this really interesting way and 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 very immaculately played mm. um so uh, yeah I, I i think you know definitely a historically underrated underappreciated band i found like one thing on like magnets the magazine magnets website where like somebody wrote a little paragraph calling it a lost classic but that's like all i can really find about them aside <laughs> wow yeah I, yeah i don't know but but back in the day when me and my friends were into mogwai and into post-rock and stuff like we because of the glasgow association because they toured mogwai we, we and because they were on merge records we assumed that they were like kind of a big we took them really seriously we were like this is a great band they're totally a big deal and i don't wow. know like we loved it like we loved them we loved the records i i don't know i don't know why they some bands get remembered better than others isn't it funny isn't it like what's the formula for that right it's, mm-hmm. yeah um jack jack what did you think yeah i mean this was definitely in my wheelhouse for sure i mean i think something that keeps coming up when you think about post-rock is this idea of democracy like no one's taking the lead on anything so everyone's kind of trading ideas between them and that's so the case in this track and particularly in that first half and almost to an extent where it feels like you've got the kind of an indecision of committee going on but in a a way which (laughs) feels very intentional where everyone's kind of brewing ideas between them but very tentatively uh and they're kind of blue skied and then they're just dispersed with and then they kind of gradually glide onto something else and also all of the guitars are kind of playing in a similar pitch range as well. So they all sort of interlink and weave into each other in a way which makes them very difficult to pick apart. It's almost difficult to tell which guitar is doing what and to distinguish them from each other, which I thought is really fabulous. That drum beat mm. that you mentioned is so cool because it's got lots of gaps in it. And so it gets a bit of momentum and then stops. And it almost feels like a means of stopping them from doing that cliche post-rock thing because the rhythm never gets going enough to sort of crank them into a higher gear, at least for that like first five minutes. So that means Mm. instead of going higher, they have to go sort of horizontally. And that's why they end up doing all this strange harmonic stuff and 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 interesting ideas that are sort of just rearranging the parts and meshing them back together again so i thought that was really Mm -hmm. cool i thought i agree with you i think the first half is so much more interesting i think the second half is still great and the drum beat kind of locks into a beat which allows them all to pile in on top and then it does get noisier but it doesn't get it, there's not like a big boom where it kind of breaks in and then everything flares up. It sort of just gradually gathers speed and it's almost like uh, lobbing a rock down a hill or something. It's just gradually gathering and gathering and gathering. I love it. There's a really strange sense of there not really being a um, first beat for a lot of it as well. There's not really like a point where everything kicks in. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, 
it was great and it definitely I've, i found on the internet when looking for more information just very little to go on but just a lot of comments on videos being like i can't believe this is the only fucking ganger thing on youtube or <laughs> so it seems that either people know the band and are outraged there's not more or just don't know the band at all which is uh which is nice and i wonder whether that will break at some point and people will just you know it will be thrust to the surface but we'll see maybe this podcast lizzie what do you think so I think it's really yeah. so, I think well a, a little bit of a disclosure I say post rock isn't really my thing. Who did we go to see? We went to see uh, explosions in oh, the sky. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I really hated it. Nice. Well, yeah, yeah, but I could, I could totally appreciate it for what it was. But I really hated it because I do quite like vocalists and lyrics and kind of like a little bit of structure. So a little bit of disclosure there. This isn't really my thing. But the things that I really did um, like about the track was, and I mean this in a really accessible way and that I found it really lovely to listen to. It felt like I was at a band practice and you know how you stand outside other studios doors and you can hear the bands practicing. Yeah. It sounded a little yeah. bit like that to me. Yeah. And which yeah. I found really oh, yeah. and kind of like homely. And I definitely felt like this would be I think I would have really enjoy it live. And it's definitely not something that I would listen to because like quite long tracks that build and kind of shift every kind of few minutes that's never really landed with me but I can imagine that live you really get into a good groove with it and at the end like it feels awesome and everybody claps really loud because you've all gone through this quite epic thing together yeah for sure Um, so I, I definitely could like see that with it. I found a really nice bit in the middle, again, only with the headphones on, not off the headphones. It's like about halfway through, there's these kind of like, I don't know what they are, but to me they sounded like kind of bouncy, muted steel pans. Right. I'd, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I kind of found it buried in there and I was like, ah, oh, that's that's interesting. It is like for me, I, I think of this kind of music as like just a nice long jam and I feel like when they change into a different kind of like section, like they give each other the nod. Right. And, yeah. <laughs> and I could I was seeing the bits where like they would nod. But so <laughs> I the track wasn't really for me, but actually hearing about it from you guys that i find really interesting that they're kind of just like so were they are, are, are you saying that these guys were like one of the first or were they around at the same time as modified stuff they would have been starting around the same time because they formed in 95 which is ba- basically when when mogwai started getting together too so so yeah. like, one just kind of like landed differently to the other i suppose yeah i reckon this album was maybe when would this album come out was it 98 was it 97 98 yeah 98 for this album it might have been just slightly too late because tortoise were had kicked off by that point another you know big post-rock band mogwai had a big album out already by that point as well i mean i know they had releases prior to this one as well but perhaps you know the record that sort of got them in front of the right people just landed at a time where it was just late enough for them to be seen as part of an existing crop uh, and maybe following the trail rather than actually just blazing their own yeah i think i think the way they started too i mean because they started as kind of a loose collective they never 
really solidified in that way. Right. I think they kind of, I think they kind of, I think they kept that kind of spirit of lineup change going. And so because they never solidified, people never felt as dedicated. So people kind of came and went, and and, and I and I think that maybe sort of so it just sort of went away as opposed to you know getting together and breaking up in a dramatic way that other bands do. I think it just kind of started and stopped, and 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 that's <laughs> what, like what the you're. Track. Which is yeah, nice. well, and what you're saying about and what, and what you're saying, Lizzie, about jamming. I mean, I think like I think really more than anything, the band were just jamming. You know, yeah. they just, and so I think that's absolutely spot on in that in what you're saying. Oh, I feel bad about it though because it's lo- it's so lovely to hear like people that are so passionate about it, and I'm like, nah, I didn't like it. But don't <laughs> hey, but don't worry, I'm going to do the same podcast. Jack's it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> We have one more track today, and it is mine. It's a track by Fuck Buttons, and it's a track called The Red Wing. So Fuck Buttons are a duo from Bristol in England, Benjamin Power, who also makes music as Blank Mass, and then Andrew Hung as well. So the track I picked is from the album Slow Focus, which was released in 2013, and it starts with this massive beat, this big old stumbling beat, which has got this disco kind of thing going on where it goes like that and a lot of kind of shakers and things that sound like crockery and glasses being jangled around it's quite a cumbersome lumbering thing and this is a big kind of statement i think for for fuck buttons coming out with a beat like this because prior to this point they'd been a little bit more abstract and a little bit more serrated and this is almost quite a commercial move to start a track like that And it's from that point onwards that things do get gradually louder and louder. So you have this gigantic bass synth that comes in with this lovely melody that I've loved since I first heard this track and I still do. And then they add more and more layers until it reaches saturation point. And then they cram in a few more after that as well. So you've got these uh, synthesized kind of string sounds. You've got this huge distorted like drone power chords kind of things. And you can still hear the, the sounds that you heard during the intro, that little disco sound. But it's been crushed right to the back beneath all of this stuff. And to me, the way that they've kind of produced this track reminds me of when you've got a bin and it's pretty much full. So you put your palm on top and crush everything downward to fit more in. There's kind of like a real merciless way mm-hmm. that they just allow everything to be flattened so that they can pile more stuff on top. I just think it's wonderful. Like it's an incredibly loud track, particularly when it reaches the end. And uh, it just fills every single speck of stereo space in quite a sort of graceless way really it just wants to be loud and that's about it um i saw him perform at glastonbury and that's where i first heard this song i've been into them up until this point but i'd not heard this album yet Uh, um i went over to the stage where they're performing and there was like no one there i think they were on at the same time as rolling stones and public enemy so 
Ooh. you know yeah <laughs> great slot for anyone and uh you know so it's pretty much empty but this song came in and they were kind of doing some strange stuff with their silhouettes where they were being projected in these kind of psychedelic patterns and stuff but i just remember having you know a fabulous time with about 20 people <laughs> I, I i love it so ian, ian what do you think of this track yeah yeah is this um the olympics were in 2012 and this came out in 2013 right so right. Yeah. Would, would this would this have been like a commercial move for them to capitalize on the exposure of uh, ah. of, of being in the olympics or potentially i feel like that they were kind oh. of going in this direction anyway uh to a certain extent because benjamin power one of the chaps in the band who makes music as blank mass was starting to work i think with these very large synth sounds anyways so they they might have headed might have headed in this direction or yeah as you say it may have just been a a a move to capitalize on that moment for them yeah yeah i mean it's got it's got such a great like throb to it and it and it really is like and it's funny because i remember being really obsessed with with these guys for their first two albums in in 08 and 09 and and i saw them whenever they came into town here in new york and you know got really psyched to see them but then yeah there's a bit there's a gap there between of like four years between that one and i know that's and and slow focus and i know that's when um the guy was starting to do blank mass and 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 things like that but it, yeah but yeah it is kind of it is kind of coming back with a different sound from those two records and i've, I've always been kind of curious about you know what you know i mean i'm assuming a lot of that's natural evolution too but also wondering yeah i, I you know being in america I don't, I don't know like if being in the olympics which is still wild to me the band with that name was featured so heavily <laughs> in, in, in the olympic ceremony it's like such a it's such a coup um yeah but but um i mean i mean did they get bigger after that did they sell a bunch of records were yeah. they did... i mean this yeah. was a this was a big record in the year they came out and it was on a lot of like year-end lists and stuff i, I think the fact also that they were at Glastonbury and headlining that stage was testament to the fact that they had quite a bit of momentum at that point um yeah i think people have forgotten them since but certainly at that time they were they were doing all right yeah yeah i'm not sure if this i feel like they were bigger in the u.s around the first two records because there was a lot of website internet like hype around them for those two but i don't remember being yeah i don't remember slow focus getting like a ton of attention over here or maybe just other things were getting attention i, I it, it was well reviewed certainly and well received but i don't yeah. remember the i don't remember the same level of of hype or uh, yeah i don't know i didn't see him on tour I, I, i'm not sure but yeah and they've been away for a while right but uh, i mean i've seen blank yeah. mass a i've seen blank mass a couple times since he's come through town and played a couple times i've seen him that's that's incredibly noisy that, oh, that's yeah. a great li- that's a great live show it yeah. hurt man it, it hurt it was like <laughs> Yeah. The, 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 the venue he played the acoustics are very in a way that was not i was kind of like gosh why is he playing this place and yeah i was it was very sharp but it was good it's a good set <laughs> yeah like no. when you feel it the next day and you're like i am in pain my whole body is yeah. in pain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh for sure for sure yeah cool well lizzie what do you reckon of this one yeah so great <laughs> Uh, (laughs) these kind of long long songs that all kind of seem to build to this crescendo and then kind of like fade away a little bit um no this is really cool i will forever be impressed by two people that can make that amount of noise that is super Mm. impressive i really Mm. enjoy the intro because it made me think of spoons and glasses yeah well i said the intro i think it's there for the whole song 
Yeah, like, clunk, it is. Clunk, 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 clunk. Yeah. It's not that. It gets but, buried, uh, yeah. Yeah, it, it really makes me think of like cafes and like background noise and like spoons and glasses, maybe at the start of a musical and then it goes into something. Um, <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> I really like the woo bit. Yeah. Um, that 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 was fun. Uh, other than that, like, yeah, it's 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 a super cool song. That guitar is really heavy and weighty and really, really like pins it down because then you have these kind of ghostly echoey blips that are a little bit more complex yes. but that kind of is always there and mm. um, so that, that I felt like that was a really nice contrast and like that this is a cool song like this is super cool do you mean cool as I I get the impression you're saying cool as someone who doesn't find it cool but sees it 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 could have it's a badass it could be song. hit yeah right okay yeah that's sorry that's what i mean like it's it's it, this is a badass song that would well have been used for the olympics do you know what i mean like it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I, I, I think that's what i mean there's definitely like the similarities with um ian's track and that it kind of definitely builds that kind of two-thirds of the way in roughly it all feels like it's all too much and oh my god my headphones are gonna break yeah um and I do, I do enjoy that. And when you do think that it's two people, that's incredible. I liked the end when we got there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the best, as you can tell, Ian, I kind of like, kind of like my songs about four minutes. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm worth you for the most part. <laughs> um, but I, I did really like the end with the bells that kind of say goodbye. That's that's quite nice. It I kind love of it. Like, like cleanses the ritual of of what you've been through. So yeah, it's it's yeah. I think it's I think it's a badass song. Nice. Yeah. All right. Okay. So you like the bit at the beginning before all the noise comes in, and then the bit at the end where it's stripped away. So I think you know process of elimination. <laughs> get rid of the noise. Bring it down to four minutes. That, that is impressive noise. That is very impressive. So is it two? So it's two people. And like, how does it work live? Do they just have lots of laptops and stuff? I think they've got. I I don't know, Ian. You may know, but I think it's like a lot of synthesizers, maybe a bit of laptops, probably some stuff that's triggered as well, all that kind of thing. Yeah. I rem- yeah. I remember. When I, when I would see them, yeah, they would just, they'd have a table, the table would be covered in equipment, they would sit on opposite, stand on opposite sides of the table, face each other, and then the one guy would put the, and then the one guy would put the little uh, toy recorder microphone in his mouth and start yeah. screaming, and that and that's when it all started kicking off, yeah, that was great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> see, I think, <laughs> again, the same, with, the same with your pick, Ian, I would love this live. I would absolutely love both of these live. I think in the moment, I think listening yeah. to it is quite um, for both of the the nature of these tracks is always going to be quite detached, perhaps more so than other music. Yeah, mm-hmm. fair. Yeah. All right, I'll give you that. An interesting array of opinions on uh, this week's Fantastic Beats. Ian, thank you so much for uh, yeah, coming on and joining you. us. This has been great. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's been a blast. Yeah. Ian, you need to tell everyone about a little bit more about your book. Yes. 
So yeah, appetite for definition, A to Z guide to rock genres. Yeah, it's got over 200 different genres and subgenres of rock music. Um, but it's not it's not a dry encyclopedia. It's 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 got a narrative to it. Um, it's based on interviews and research. Talked to a bunch of different folks for it, including you, Jack. Um, thank you so much for that, by the way. Hey, no worries. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, it's you know the, the the idea is to kind of tell a story through genre itself, and and hopefully that that comes across. And uh, oh, it yeah, does. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Good, good. Um, glad to hear it. Uh, and so, <laughs> uh, and I, I don't know what shops it, it would be available in over there. It's definitely available on Amazon UK. Um, the publisher in the US, HarperCollins, has a branch over there that uh, handled the publication in the UK. So it's available online. I, as far as what stores, I'm not sure because I'm not over there and haven't been able to go stock myself in, in bookstores <laughs> over there. So. Nice, um, but it should be available. Should be, should be available. <laughs> Wicked. Call ahead at your local bookstore. See if they got it. Or can get it in. Uh, or Google it because it has the best title ever. Yeah, it's got a good title. <laughs> and it's fun, the fight. It was a, it was a joke, and it was always meant. To, it, I I came up with it as a bad joke, and then when when I was talking to the to the editor, I'm like, yeah, we. I was like, I was like, we could change the title or whatever. She's like, why would we want to change the title? I'm like, oh, I, don't know. <laughs> I, I wish like, my I, I bad know. jokes got that kind of traction. <laughs> <laughs> Very good budget. I'm totally with that. Yeah. When Jack showed me the book, I, the first thing I did was I was like, "It's <laughs> <laughs> exactly the react, exactly the reaction I was going for." So good, amazing. Good. <laughs> <laughs> right. So if people want to keep up to date with uh, what you're doing, Ian, bad jokes and music journalism, all that kind of thing. Is there a website that you can direct people to? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, ianfking.com, I-A-N-F-K-I-N-G.com. All my writing, it's collected there. And I nice. write for uh, Stereogum, Under the Radar, Line of Best Fit, different sites. Wicked. And Lizzie, if people want to keep abreast of what we're doing on Fantastic Beats, what should they be doing? Yeah, so they can find us on Twitter at Fantastic underscore pod. Uh, or you can go on our website, fantasticbeatspodcast.com. Or if you have something to say about this episode or you'd like to be on a show with us, you can email hello at fan... Uh, Jack, what is it? Shit. Hello <laughs> it at ha- fantasticbeatspodcast.com. Yeah. <laughs> that one. <laughs> that one. <laughs> nice, oh, nicely done. Absolutely yeah. pro as always. Well, thank you very much, everyone, for listening. And we will see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.